Good evening. Today is November 8th, I believe, 7th, November 7th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is, I believe, step five into action. And our speaker tonight is Kristen. So Kristen, thank you so much. Hi, everybody. I'm Kristen, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Houston, Texas. Um, I'm at my boyfriend's house, which has yellow walls and a yellow light, hence the like general yellow uh, hue of my picture. So I don't actually look this, this way in real life, but that's not what this is about. I did some work this today and wrote some notes about what I wanted to talk about. And then when I came over here, I left them at my house. And, you know, one of the, you know, I don't think that my higher power made me forget the notes, but I do know that my higher power is um, not going to give me anything I can't handle. So we're going to, we're going to take it away um, without the notes. So I got a couple things kind of brewing on in my mind, but I'm here to talk about step five. So I'll make sure to get to that. Um, I am according to my app, 5,971 hours since my last compulsive bite of sugar, which is 8.13 months for those who think better in that way, which is a miracle. I first started coming to this meeting in January of this year. I was in the middle of a, a painful, never thought it could happen to me, humble, truly humbling relapse. And I didn't think that it was I, I, I had faith that it was going to end. I just couldn't believe that I couldn't stop it. I just thought that I would just be able to stop it. And I've been in these rooms since 2015. And I will say, you can't stop it. That's the point. It's compulsive. I can't control it. I need to hire, you know, I know I knew all of that thing, but I still thought that I could just, if I just stopped, it would be done. And somehow through attending meetings, doing exactly what people say, attending meetings, talking to people, having a sponsor, going through the steps, starting over, going through the steps, starting over. I have this amazing sponsor who was so patient with me and had my back. Every time I picked up the food, she was still there for me. I was able to literally turn physically away from sugar in an airport. I actually pivoted and turned around from getting sugar in an airport. And I haven't had any sugar since then. And that is something I never thought I would be able to say for myself. And, you know, and it wasn't easy. Cause I did have that moment. I did have that moment where I said, where, where my higher power turned me around and said, don't walk towards the sugar, walk towards your gate at the airport. But it's not like I went home and was cured. I still had to white knuckle it. I still had to get the sugar out of my system. I still had to get the behavior out of my system. And I had, I didn't eat sugar but I wanted to. And I think one of the blessings of the relapse is that behavior that was so far away for so long that I had forgotten about has come back into my memory 
and with such force that I think that I hope that I won't lose sight of it again. And I hope it doesn't take another relapse for me to remember it. Because one of the things that I've noticed is that for me, at least, and I hear other people sometimes do it, is that the farther we get from the sugar, the our stories kind of change a little bit. And we remember highlights or lowlights. Um, and we convey the highlights or lowlights. But a lot of times we we hear, and I would even say, and then I stopped eating sugar, but what I had forgotten. And what I now remember is that it wasn't easy. In fact, I remember now when I first got abstinent, I went out to coffee with one of my girlfriends and they gave us a free biscotti. And I, um, I started like not yelling, but speaking emphatically at the waiter that didn't speak English to please take the cookie away. Like take it. I was trying to mime, you know, cause I was panicking that it was in front of me. But I forgot that as time went on. And so I think one of the gifts of the relapse has been that that's that kind of thing is right in front of my face in a way that I can say to someone who's new, it can happen. It will happen. You have to have faith. But that doesn't mean that we're going to be like Bill. And one morning we wake up and we're cured because it isn't always like that. And I think that's really important. What's also important is going through the steps. And a lot of people, when they first start the steps, they hear the 12 steps and they get really caught up on the fifth step, which is admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And so this comes after the fourth step, which is a moral inventory of ourselves, right? So um, the way that I've done it with, with all my sponsors, and I've had several, um, is you write out an inventory of everything that you're you, everyone you're resentful to and every institution you're resentful to everything you're resentful resentful was described to me as re-feeling so having the same having a feeling over and over again so if something keeps coming up in my mind or when I revisit something that I that I still get worked up about or I still have feelings about it um, you know take an inventory of that if I still have and then the next thing we do is the inventory of fears right so everything I'm afraid of and I tell you what those fears, I still struggle with them. I'm still, I'm going through the steps in another program and man, those fears still can still run my life. So many things I'm afraid of. I was talking to a friend. I have a friend coming to visit today and I've been afraid of the visit for, for days now. And I just, you know, I have to be the perfect hostess. I have to, you know, have the perfect house. I have to have the perfect activities plan, just fear running my, I have to make the perfect meal because I have to be the best cook you know, fear running my life. So take an inventory of the fears, right? And then um, the last thing is the sex conduct, right? So take an inventory of sex conduct. So now that I have this inventory and, you know, it has to be thorough, but not perfect. What do I do with it? And what the fifth step tells us to do is admit to God, to ourselves and to another human being. So the ourselves thing, I don't know. I feel like I really took care of in the fourth step. Uh, the God thing, that's up to each person, how they handle it. Um, but the other human being is where a lot of people get caught up. And so I'm going to talk about what my experience has been like and why I think it's so important and what the, um, some of the, the big book doesn't have a lot on step five. It's just kind of like an instruction manual. Like here's how you do it and here's who you should do it with. And oh, by the way, you should do it. Um, but the AA 12 and 12 gives a little bit more color to it. 
Um, so the way that I've had the fifth step done and the way that I do the fifth step with my sponsees is I, I create a, uh, we have a phone call or we meet face to face. Actually, I mostly prefer to do it on the phone because it can take a long time. And, um, the person just reads their four steps. So they, you know, start with, I'm resentful towards my mom because, um, I don't know if she told me I looked fat in a t-shirt one time. This affects my, you know, you just, you just kind of, you read it out. And so one line at a time, read it out. Um, when I do the, when I do the fifth step and when I've had it done with me, it's not a time for discussion. It's not a time for storytelling. It's not a time for the sponsor to insert themselves and say, and ask questions for me. It's just an experience of sharing. When I do it, I try to only remind them to keep to the format of I'm resentful towards because, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then if storytelling, you know, because it's not about getting me on, getting the sponsor on your side, right? And then my mom, oh my gosh, you know, not telling the story behind it. We were going to dinner and it was going to be really fun. And then my mom was, we were going into this Mexican restaurant and there were all these people around like, nope, just say what happened and why and kind of go on. At least, at least that's how I do it. That's how I've had it done with me. And, um, and then you go, you go through it all. And I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty uh, shameful stuff on my inventory, things that I've done that are really embarrassing that I would rather have not told anyone some that I, while I'm not ashamed of, I won't share here even because I, they're, you know, very private. Um, but one of the best things about the fifth step with everyone I've done it with is that I've never felt judged about it because I don't think that's the point. In fact, I think the point is the opposite of that. So why do we have to do this? So one of the things that I like to do in my illness is make myself separate from people and separate from the rest of humanity. And if I have this list of things that I have done that I resent, people I resent, fears that I have, people that, you know, the sex inventory, um, so relationships and sex and things that I'm embarrassed of or ashamed of or afraid of, and I just have this list, I can use it as a way to keep myself apart from That's other people. Thank you. Apart from other people. And as I know, because my addiction is very isolating, when I first came, I was actually talking about this with someone today. When I first came into OA, I had no friends in my hometown. I had a couple people I knew that had moved to the suburbs, but like in the city where I lived, I had no friends. I was by myself. I was eating alone and drinking alone and just alone. So I can use those things to keep myself separate and identify out of the human race, identify out of society. So, and I can talk myself into being a monster. And so the act of saying these things and not being judged and not being ridiculed, but also releasing them is a huge act of togetherness, of saying, I'm not going to be afraid of these things anymore. I'm releasing these things. They are, they lose their power over me and it helps free me from them in a way that just writing them down for whatever reason 
doesn't. And this is not, you know, a new concept. Lots of religions have this concept of confession, um, you know, of, and then I, I, you know, I was never very scared of the fifth step because I've been in therapy for like 20 years. So to me, it just seemed like another kind of therapy type thing where you just sort of telling your secrets. I know some people get really afraid of it, but I just viewed it as another kind of therapy exercise. Um, Another thing that um, I felt after the giving the fifth step, or I guess another thing that can happen is that um, I stay in my secrets. So I know when I have a secret that I'm ashamed of, I feel hot. It feels like butter is melting down my face. It's a physical feeling of shame. And when I release those things in my fifth step, that goes away. The first time I did a fifth step, the way it's written in the book, I felt a sense of release and I felt a sense of ease and I felt light in a way that I hadn't felt before I'd done it. So I think it's a really important step. Um, I think I do it the way that it's written in the big book. Um, afterwards, I have people take an hour to reflect. Um, but I, you know, I don't know that it's something to be afraid of. And I, and I haven't had an experience that has made me feel bad about it. So that's what I have to say about the fifth step. Um, I have a lot more time left. What can I talk about? How much time do I have left? You have seven minutes left. I have seven minutes left. Okay. Well, I will talk to you about, I guess, what I've been thinking about a lot lately um, in a way, which is um, why I came to the program. So when I was in my relapse, I put on about 15 pounds and I have been um, completely abstinent, weighing and measuring my food, um, you know, observing eating out twice a week and um, the weight hasn't come off. And it's been really frustrating because I when I first came into this program, I lost a lot of weight really quickly. And I was, I felt that if you follow your meal plan, you should lose weight. And now I'm having to eat those words because it's not happening for me. So I've had to be redefining my relationship with OA and what it's really about and how I really feel about it. And what I realized, and I'm thinking a lot about and I've heard some people saying um, this, I came here because I was tired of my life being about food. You know, I was, I was fat. I weighed almost, I weighed about 280 pounds and um, I didn't want to be fat anymore, but I was planning on getting uh, gastric bypass surgery to take care of that. I just wanted to stop thinking about food. And when I had my relapse, I was desperate to stop thinking about food. I mean, desperate to stop putting the food in my mouth. My body was changing and I was unhappy with that, but that's not what haunted me. That's not what kept me up at night. That's not what, you know, it wasn't the thoughts about my body in that moment. It was the thoughts of the food, the inability to say no, being in my car and saying, you should turn around, you should turn around, you should turn around, you really should turn around, you should turn around and still going to the place. And so I am having to really look at myself in the mirror, not like 
for like physically, but just look at my beliefs about what success to me in this program looks like. And to me, I've found that it looks like not having those thoughts. Five remaining. Thanks. And that's a big, that's a really big change for me because I really felt that in order to be abstinent, I had to be thin. And in thinking about that, I also realized though, that ties in very much to my torture of body dysmorphia because the the lowest weight that I got to in this program wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I was going to get surgery. I was going to get $40,000 worth of surgery on my body to get rid of all the excess skin because that, that would have been enough, but it wouldn't have been enough because for me, there's no such thing as thin enough. And so I've had to become at peace with myself in a way that I hadn't had for the past six years. So I've been having a really good journey um, with a lot of thought about what this program means to me, what abstinence means to me, um, what my body means to me. I went ahead and bit the bullet and spent money on clothes that fit my new size. And I feel beautiful in them. I look at myself in the mirror and I don't feel like I look sunken in. I stopped getting Botox. I'm really at a pleasant place with myself. And it's a really nice feeling and one that I haven't had. And one I didn't have when I was 20 pounds lighter. So I think that's, I wanted to share that because I've just been thinking a lot about it. And I, I feel like sometimes, um, you know, we don't always talk about that part of it. Um, there's also, I think in some of the rooms, a fear of fat, um, of, of wanting to get abstinence to avoid fat. And I am having to really change my internal narrative on that as wanting to be abstinent to avoid the obsession. And for me, the obsession and the consumption leads to the fat, but I can't let, I'm really working to stop making my fear of my body changing what rules my life, because I don't think for me, that's what abstinence can be about and be sustainable. And so anyway, I've just been thinking a lot about that. And I think that, um, I'm not saying what I think anyone's abstinence should be or what their body should look like, but for me. Um, I think I'm going to some big healing with respect to my body image and my body. And I think it's really healthy and coming from a really good place. So, um, I don't know. So anyway, I hope that was okay to talk about. Um, and I hope I gave some perspective on the fifth step and I do want to step on a soapbox to remind everyone that service is very important. And even if you're only being the timer on the meeting, um, you know, which is a good job, but not a very, you know, not a hugely visible one, that's, that's okay. That's important. Or if you're helping out the Zoom host, like being of service as much as you can is really important. And um, I also, you know, encourage people to have their camera on. It's really great to see people. And um, those are my two soapboxes that I have left. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kristen. That was awesome. Um, okay, so we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guidance in order to keep the meeting on track. 
If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask to unmute when it's your turn. So Yvonne, are you gonna call people? I can if you'd like. I can, I can do that. Yeah. Okay, you can do it, then that's great. I'll unmute, you can call. Okay, so the first, uh, we will, okay, and the timekeeper can set for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. So Eileen, you're first. Hi, I'm Eileen, recovering, covered, compulsive overeater. Um, Kristen, thank you so much for your share. Um, what a gift, what a gift. Um, and thank you everybody for doing service and thank you for everybody being here tonight. Um, I love this meeting um, and I'm just really glad to be here. Um, so I wanna share, um, I, I have to speak to that last part because it just really spoke to my heart and it's, it's kind of similar about what I'm going through right now. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm currently, um, working on my body and, um, and, 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 and assessing my food plan and all of that. And all of that is so important to me. And also I am struggling with accepting the way that my body looks right now. And my favorite store, I have a favorite store and I even have like a credit card in that store and it's like a workout store. And so I get points and whenever it's like my birthday or anything, I'm always like, give me a credit card, to, you know, give me a gift card for the store. And I've, I've accumulated so much. Right. And so, um, sales are coming and I've started like working out again. I had some injuries and now I'm starting to work out again. And, and I want to buy some clothes to work out in the store. and. I'm no longer fitting comfortably in the older, when I was really working out in those older clothes. And I've been carrying these gift cards around with me and I know I've got points and I can get some fabulous new clothes. Um, and you, and I'm gonna go, my, I'm like gonna go this weekend, right? And I'm gonna go and and get some. And, but there is some like, like just go do it, Eileen, you know, like, feel beautiful in new clothes for free at this beauty at this, you know, the beautiful clothes at the size that you're at and enjoy this, these new like YouTube dance classes that you're doing that make you feel so good about yourself with these new clothes that you can have. It's like, and also eat foods that are good for your body that are appropriate for you that get you to continue to get you to an abstinent, healthy body weight. You know, it's like this kind of combination of being good to myself and getting clothes and being that fit me where I am now, instead of shaming myself for where I'm at now. And also it, and also being on like, it, it's like this, this beautiful mix of not shaming myself and also being on a plan of recovery. Um, and I just really, I, I just really needed to hear everything you had to say tonight and That's time. thank you. And I'm just really grateful, really grateful. So thank you. Thank you so much, Eileen. 
Next up, we have Joanna. Hi, everyone. Joanna, compulsive overeater and orthorexic. Um, I, I too really felt a strong resonance with like the end of what was said. I mean, with everything, of course, but definitely with the end. And I really like the distinction that was made of like abstinence is not something you do to like be skinny. <laughs> it's like you show up for yourself and um, the motivation should not be to like stay skinny or become skinny I think like in my brain I was definitely have been doing that lately as like if I stay abstinent then I'll get to keep this slim body I have now but like that's just another flavor of this disease as it relates to body image and that should never be the motivating factor for why I live this life that I live right now um and so I really appreciate that call out because I don't even know if I noticed I was doing that until just now. <laughs> um, and, you know, when it comes to body image as well, like, I know I can't trust my own thoughts. Like, I know that, like, when I was at my smallest and everyone around me was telling me that I'm so small, my brain was still telling me I need to lose more. And so... It's just um, something I didn't think I would ever run into now that, you know, like I did release like a major amount of weight. I kind of, you know, foolishly thought that like I'd I'll have the life beyond my wildest dreams now that I fit in a size small medium and everything. And um, that couldn't be further from the truth. Every day I get reminded just like all the ways that the disease like shows up in my life. And, you know, I knew it from the extreme overweight obese side now I'm like knowing it from the kind of yeah orthorexic and like obsession with looking as small as possible type of way um and that's very hard and emotional um but you know I get to just have yeah I get to just have all of you and I get to have higher power to guide me through it and yeah thank you Hi. <laughs> okay. You can hear me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Larissa, compulsive overeater and bulimic recovered. And uh, thank you so much, Kristen, for your share. Um, I had, I've never been to this meeting on a Monday. And uh, I said, oh my gosh, I really need to get to a meeting because I haven't been to a meeting in a few days and there's a lot going on and it's on step five I can't believe it because I am receiving my first step five ever as a sponsor later this week and um I'm a little bit apprehensive about it although not too much because I've you know helped my sponsee with um uh going through a few samples already but it's still the first time that I'm doing this. So I have a couple of questions for you, Kristen. Uh, Kristen, do you give, I know you said you just let them speak, right? Um, do you give feedback right away? Like after they've gone through their, say two hours or three hours, do you give it right away? Or do you wait, let that hour pause after that hour pause? 
Right. So I guess um, what I do is um, after the my sponsee goes through their fears, I'll say something like um, if I notice a trend or, um, you know, it, it sounds like a lot of your fear was related to this or, or something like that. But I don't do a lot of like um, specific you know, going through things and commenting because I don't want to make it about my reaction to the, um, to what they said as much as just, um, helping them maybe notice when there's common threads, because I know for me, when I, when I did my fourth step, um, for example, one of my, um, one of my character defects that I work on and that I have, and that I noticed over and over again, when I do my fourth step is that, I lie to make myself look better because I don't want to lose face in, in front of people. And so when I gave my fourth step, like someone, if I noticed that in someone, I would say, it seems like um, I've noticed this thread where you keep trying to, you know, self-seeking is a big thing or something like that. Um, and so I don't hold it because I think after the end of the hour is just a time to kind of um, well, actually, if anything else has come up, go through that, but then also just kind of tie the process together. I want the person to be able to process any input I had like before the break. So that's kind of how I do it. And I try not to comment on, on the sex behavior, like at all. Um, just because I know, like I had a lot of shame around some of my behavior and I was not really, and my first sponsor mm -hmm. was like 70 and I just wasn't really into it. So, um, but yeah. I have another question. Okay. Um, what about people? Okay. Sometimes, like you said, you stick to it's succinct the way it's written in the book, big book, but sometimes people do seem to go off track and get caught up in the storytelling. So what do you do during the, the allotted time for the fifth step to sort of veer that? I, I simply say, if you can, you know, try to remember this is just to read me what you wrote. I don't need to know the story. It's not about the story. Um, and some, for some people, it's really a challenge for them to just tell you and not tell you the story. And so um, I have a couple times just kind of let it go because I, I don't want to say it after, you know, I'll maybe let it go a couple times and then I'll say reminder. And then, um, cause you don't want it the whole, you don't want to interrupt the experience by continuing, or at least I don't want to interrupt the experience by continuing to be like, stop telling me, stop telling me, stop telling me. But at the same time, it, it's a long process. If someone has 50 resentments and they need to tell you 50 stories, that's a lot of time, you know? So, um, I try to be as gentle about it as I can. Thank you, Larissa. Um, next up we have Amy. Thank you so much. Thank you both Julie and Yvonne for your service tonight. And thank you, especially Yvonne for being so quick um, when we were disrupted. Oops, I should restart the timer for myself. Um, sorry about that. Uh, hmm. Yeah, we got to, our common welfare must come first. We have to protect our common spaces. So thanks everyone for just keeping it cool and for everybody doing service and Kristen, thank you for your service tonight. And thank you for shouting out service. And, um, a lot of things resonated with me about what you said. Um, first I want to point out, cause this is my experience too, that never once in a fifth step. And I've, and I've done fifth steps on 
like as giving and as taking and in different ways as my program has grown and matured and never once has there been judgment. Um, we all, <laughs> we all got here because we have wreckage that needs cleaning up and um, to be able to be seen, the fifth step is really um, a beautiful uh, piece of humility. I know, you know, it's the principle of a later step, but it really is just to sort of, and, and to admit to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, to admit like, I, I just, I don't prioritize other people's point of view and it's a pattern. Like I, I, and, and it's really making my interactions difficult and it's weighing on my heart and, um, it's making me seek relief, essentially, because that's what this is down, causes and conditions. And what's so beautiful, too, and I'm watching my time, and I was talking about this with somebody today, is that the fourth step and the fifth step, like where we see those patterns, it ends up, I'll, I'll speak for myself, it ends up showing me what the problem is and how to start to fix it. Like the resentment and 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 talking about, you know, saying to people, this is, this is what my part was. And then saying, and this is how I think God would have me show up. And then saying, and where I was at fault, this is what I should have done instead. It's sort of like a roadmap, first showing where I went astray, and then showing like where the a different road might start. And like, I don't know, that's a uh, pretty miraculous. It certainly has proven so um, in my program. And I'm just real grateful for the conversations that we have. Um, and um, I don't know. I mean, the other thing that you said that resonated with me was, you know, at the end of, you know, that last relapse that like you thought you'd be able to stop and you couldn't. And I know that's a hard left turn at like within the final seconds of my share, but like, I remember what that was like to because I had stopped before, but this disease is progressive and I had never gotten down to causes and conditions before. That's the time. And uh, the fifth step is really, you know, starting to to see the light out of the tunnel. That's my time. I'll pass. Thank you for uh, letting me share.